Before you listen to Paranormal Exist, the podcast show, I just want to announce the bone-chilling journey that awaits you on Charlie's Chills podcast, exclusively on YouTube, search at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-S. Subscribe, and embrace the darkness that awaits. Many years ago, my husband and I embarked on a new chapter of our lives in Southern Colorado. We settled into a seemingly idyllic two-bedroom apartment located within a 75-year-old house in an old mining town. Initially, everything appeared charming. The small yet quaint dwelling boasted ample windows and a fenced yard for our dogs to enjoy. We even had a picturesque view of the town and the majestic mountains that surrounded it. But little did we know, beneath its surface, a darkness lurked. As I went about unpacking and arranging our new home, my husband dedicated long hours to his job, often returning late due to a demanding schedule. During this time, I started acquainting myself with the neighbors and the townsfolk I encountered while shopping at local stores. It was through these interactions that I delved into the town's history, discovering its past filled with cowboys, saloon girls, violence, death, and an ominous shadow that loomed over the quaint facade. As life slowed down a bit, my curiosity led me to unearth more about this supposedly quaint town. While strolling the streets in search of antiques and unique gifts, I couldn't help but notice that most of the churches stood closed or were up for sale. Boarded up businesses lined the sidewalks, outnumbered only by the bars that catered to those drowning their sorrows. My rose-colored glasses began to slip, revealing a reality far from the charm I had envisioned. Throughout my life, I've carried the burden of being able to sense and perceive things I'd rather not. As an empath, This gift is more of a curse, and I constantly strive to keep it at bay, especially when it comes to the spirit world. This town, however, awakened those dormant abilities within me, transforming enchantment and curiosity into a countdown until our escape. On a bitterly cold day in January, I found myself heading to my favorite antique store to break the monotony of my day. Just ahead of me, a figure cloaked in a dark knee-length coat with the collar turned up walked in the same direction. Whether it was a woman or a man remained unclear, but it piqued my interest. This mysterious individual entered the store I was about to visit, and I was thrilled at the prospect of engaging in conversation to glean more about the town's history. Less than a minute later, I entered the antique store, greeted by the owner, Mandy. She wore an uncomfortable smile when I asked about the person in the black coat who had entered just before me. Her face turned pale as she replied that no one else had entered the store until I walked in. We exchanged a perplexed stare, and she whispered, you'll encounter a lot of that around here, before retreating to another room. I knew what I had seen, as clear as the words I'm typing now. Yet, we never spoke of it again. 
I brushed off the incident, forgetting to mention it to my husband until a few nights later. As we relaxed in our modest living room, dogs by our side, watching TV, an overwhelming aroma of freshly brewed coffee filled the air, permeating through the kitchen doorway. We were both coffee drinkers, but not at night. As I sniffed the air, my husband, sitting less than 10 feet away, inquired about my distress. I asked him if he could smell the coffee, but he couldn't. Despite his proximity, he shook his head and suggested it may be the downstairs neighbor. Two apartments resided below ours, one unoccupied, and the other housing a young man attending a nearby college. I reminded my husband that there was no shared ventilation system in the old house, and we had baseboard heating, no AC. Yet, as we discussed it further, the aroma dissipated. We inexplicably dismissed it at that moment, with the dogs showing no reaction, and resumed watching our program. Incidents like the coffee smell and the vanishing stranger became increasingly frequent. Strong scents of freshly lit cigarettes would waft through the air next to me on the couch. I would hear movements in the bedroom, just a short hallway away from the living room, yet the dogs remained with me in the kitchen. As I ventured toward the bedroom, the dogs would gaze at me curiously, hesitant to enter until I did. These seemingly innocuous occurrences never unnerved me enough to flee the apartment. They never happened to my husband, and the dogs exhibited no warning signs or aggression. I even had the chance to chat with our downstairs neighbor one day, and that's when things took a terrifying turn. To access the basement, we had to pass through the downstairs apartment. Ken, our neighbor, guided us through his spacious dwelling to the trapdoor on his screened-in porch. As we descended into the stone basement, I suddenly realized that Ken had stayed upstairs, fear evident in his eyes as he looked down at me. My husband and the landlord continued into the basement, engrossed in a conversation about the yard's underground sprinkler system, oblivious to the fact that Ken and I were no longer with them. A feeling of being caught in the middle washed over me, and I found myself unable to move or breathe. My chest grew heavy, breaths shallow, as if an invisible force was constricting my airflow. I looked to Ken, who descended a few steps to offer me his hand. With great effort, I raised my arm and accepted his assistance, allowing him to pull me up the stairs and out of that imprisoning space. He guided me to his kitchen, where I drank a glass of water to regain my composure. As the sense of impending doom subsided, Ken and I spoke about the incidents he had experienced, a case of missing keys, unexplained banging in the back bedroom, malfunctioning lights, and objects mysteriously moving or vanishing. The basement, he declared, was strictly off-limits for him. You couldn't pay me enough to go down there, he admitted. The back bedroom exuded an oppressive aura that frightened his girlfriend so much that she refused to visit him there. As our conversation unfolded, I couldn't help but notice that Ken didn't own a coffee pot and, contrary to my assumption, didn't even drink coffee. My husband and the landlord concluded their business in the basement, 
joining us in the kitchen. Neither of them seemed to have noticed what had trans. Peered. Over dinner that evening, I recounted the harrowing experience to my husband, his expression one of concern mixed with an inkling of disbelief. It seemed he had no recollection of our argument, and any strangeness he experienced had slipped from his memory. At that time, I questioned my own sanity, questioning whether the apartment had somehow tainted my perceptions. Days turned into weeks, and I anxiously awaited the inevitable. I knew an ambush was imminent, as the inexplicable occurrences had grown quiet. No strange noises, no mysterious scents, no vanishing strangers. Then, one day, Ken disappeared. I observed no signs of moving, no trucks, no boxes, no sounds of furniture being shifted. Inquiring with the landlord, I learned that Ken had abruptly decided to move home, departing only a few days after announcing his intentions. Now, with the entire house vacant except for us, I felt more isolated than ever before. My husband's work demanded longer hours and frequent travel, leaving me alone with only the company and comfort of our dogs. My nightly routine followed a simple pattern, letting the dogs out, brushing my teeth and washing my face, bringing the dogs back inside, ensuring all doors were locked, checking the security system, and finally heading to bed. But on many nights, as I moved through this familiar routine, I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. I sensed a presence lurking in the shadows of the pantry, a space without a door that I had to pass when moving from the kitchen to the living room. The narrow hallway, too, filled me with an unshakable sensation of being observed. It was a feeling I always associated with that hallway. Before going to sleep, would leave lights on, from the small kitchen lamp to the nightlight in the bathroom, much to my husband's irritation, he claimed electricity wasn't free. But those lights provided a sliver of comfort, assuaging my unease. However, that sense of being watched persisted, causing my doubts to multiply within the confines of that apartment. One night, the feeling became overwhelming. I tried to ignore it, but it consumed my thoughts. In a moment of courage, or perhaps foolishness, I addressed it aloud. I declared, you are not welcome here. Leave this place. With those words hanging in the air, I approached the bedroom door and firmly shut it, as if locking out the unseen presence. I called the dogs up onto the bed, said a prayer, and then the unthinkable happened, the door swung open. The energy in the room shifted from heavy to malevolent, exuding intense anger. It was the first time I had experienced such profound fear since we moved in. Summoning all my strength, I pushed aside the encroaching terror, calling out to Jesus in my mind. I prayed fervently, invoking the blood of Jesus over myself and the entire house. With each word, the darkness receded, replaced by a semblance of normality. However, the dogs remained fixated on the bedroom doorway, their guard instincts on high alert. I fought against sleep, but it ultimately overcame me.
The next thing I knew, sunlight streamed through the window. Mornings always seemed lovely in that place, bright, airy, and safe. When my husband returned from his business trip a few days later, I unleashed a torrent of emotions, urging him to find us a new place to live. I no longer cared about the cost, I simply could not, and would not, remain in that apartment any longer. We engaged in heated arguments about moving and financial concerns, but then something changed. He grew incredibly angry, his eyes reflecting a darkness I had never witnessed before. It was as if I was no longer speaking to my husband, my love and protector, but to a stranger. Fearful, I retreated, proclaiming that he was right and expressing my willingness to stay, dismissing my concerns as the whims of a silly woman. I kissed him on the cheek, uttering, I'll get dinner started. At that moment, I didn't realize that it was merely an appetizer for the true horror that would unfold later that night. After dinner, we sat in silence, watching TV, preparing for bed. I went through my usual routine, and by the time I finished, my husband had already settled under the covers. I climbed into bed beside him, our dogs nestled in their beds, and bid each other goodnight. I read for a while, but sleep soon beckoned, coaxing me into its embrace. As I turned off the light and snuggled closer to my husband, I entered a state that defied categorization. I couldn't ascertain if I was dreaming, experiencing a waking dream, or fully awake. However, the realization dawned upon me, I was indeed awake. In this surreal state, a dark mass swirled above the bed. Although my vision allowed me to see the left and right sides of me, as well as the floor, the ambient light from the street was obscured by an inky blackness unlike anything I had ever encountered. There was no discernible face or outline, only a formless void. It drew closer, fixing its attention on me. I became aware of the pressure on my chest and stomach, rendering me breathless, as if being turned inside out. The pain in my chest grew unbearable, briefly causing me to believe I was having a heart attack. This wasn't a dream, it was a fully awakened engagement with an entity. I attempted to scream, my voice trapped within my paralyzed body. With sheer determination, I pushed fear aside and reached out to Jesus. I prayed, commanding the entity to leave in his name, affirming my status as a child of God. In the name of Jesus, Satan, get thee behind me. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. This house belongs to God. I shouted at the top of my lungs. Startled, my husband leapt out of bed, grabbing a gun, while the dogs positioned themselves defensively. But as he realized no one else was present, he witnessed me sobbing in bed. He came to my side, enveloping me in his arms, as I recounted the series of events since our argument, which he had no recollection of. I pleaded with him to find us a new place to live. Not long after that chilling incident, I embarked on a trip for a new job. Upon my return, a month later, 
my husband had discovered a new residence and moved us out of that apartment, forever escaping its clutches. Dive into the chilling abyss of real-life hauntings on Charlie's Chills podcast exclusively on YouTube. Join us for eerie tales from the internet and our listeners. Search in YouTube for, at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-S, I repeat, at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-S, subscribe and embrace the darkness that awaits.